0: Everybody, welcome to issue number eight of Amazing Spider Webcast. We have panty waists, we have a teacher suggesting that kids fist fight, Spidey versus the Human Torch, and Frank Marowell. So get excited!
1: He climbs a tree just like a vine. Look out! Here comes the Spider Man.
0: Well, welcome to this. Uh, Issue number 8 of the Amazing Spider webcast Where we're covering issue number 8 of the Amazing Spider-Man See how the numbers work out? isn't that smart? Uh, This issue is kind of a a two-parter Or a one-parter divided into two Because they didn't have enough content, I'm not sure Um, But it's a special tribute to teenagers issue also Um, I don't really know why or in what way it is, but here we go, you know, we've got, we cut, let's cut right to the school. So these kids are at school, and uh, basically this guy, these two mooks wheel in this huge robot, and a scientist is there who looks like fucking Vincent Price, and uh, he's telling them about this amazing robot he's made. Now this robot, called the Living Brain, Um, is so shiny it's like straight out of a jj abrams movie there's so many uh ding bing ding on his head that it's unbelievable um and while while these kids are witnessing this scientific marvel flash thompson um smacks peter parker and his glasses break and peter parker is like i'm tired of pretending to be a panty waist to conceal my real identity and I don't need those specs anyway. So I guess this is the death of the uh, the Peter Parker Spidey specs. There's a milestone in every issue, is what's important here. <laughs> so these two, these two idiots who wheeled in the robot, of course, are like, hey, maybe we could, uh, you know, uh, what did they want to do with it? They want to use it to figure out who would win horse races. Because it's like, you can put data into this robot, and it can figure out anything. So they're like... Duh, let's get it to win horse races for us. That's a good idea. Um, These are the kind of things they do in these comics, right? They have to, like, steal a thing, but they have... It's like, well, no one's going to believe they just want to steal it. They have to take it and then have something to do with it. It's like, okay. Um, How about they'll just fucking... I don't know. They'll just make make a horse race thing. Oh, okay. That sounds good. So... During this whole presentation, they have this whole presentation by what is basically the Steve Jobs of the time. Um, And he's like, you can put data into this and it'll tell you anything. So they're like, guys, let's put everything we know about Spider-Man into here. And then it'll tell us um, who Spider-Man really is. And so Peter Parker's there like, shit. Um, So they put a bunch of shit into it to see who it really is. It spits out a piece of paper. And uh, unfortunately, you know, and then their teacher, who's wearing a lab coat for some reason, is like, well, good good news, bad news. Um, it spits out all information as just a complicated mathematical formula in code, so you'll have to translate them overnight, and for some reason, Peter Parker has to do that. They're like, um, listen, bitch boy, you're going to translate this overnight, okay? And so he's worried about it for whatever reason, but I don't know why, because it's like, what what's going to happen? Some other student's going to decode it? He's the only one who can do- I bet the teacher can't even do it. The teacher's like, uh, you need to take that home and decode it, okay? Flash Thompson, though, is like, give me that, I'll do it. You're too weak to guard this paper or whatever. And so then the teacher finally steps in and is like, I've had my eye on you two for a while now. If you both are such enemies, I suggest you settle your feud once and for all in the gym. So basically what this teacher has suggested is like, you know what? I'm sick of you guys like sniping at each other. I think it's time for you just punch each other. I think it's time to just go balls out and start punching. And they're like, "All right, let's do it." Now this is like such a of the time thing, right? Like there's no Can you fucking imagine if you heard that today? Oh yeah, this teacher suggested these kids who are fighting each other all the time, like always, you know, going after each other. He's like, "All right, Here's boxing gloves. Here's a boxing ring, which we have at our school for some reason. And uh, just punch it out. That w- You would be the craziest teacher who ever lived. But that's not how it goes in the comics, in the time. So basically, they put on their boxing gloves. Everyone's like, boy, this is going to be hilarious, Flash Thompson. And there's like one dude looking at Peter Parker who's like, Jesus, nobody's rooting for him. That's too bad. I wish by some miracle that he could... But no, he hasn't a chance. <laughs> he, this student won't even let himself fantasize that maybe Peter Parker would win. He's like, maybe there's some way that he could just... And he's like, mm, nah, never mind. Fuck that. Um. So, you know, they fight and Peter Parker's kind of trying to dodge him and stuff. And then he just sort of half acidly punches Flash Thompson and just fucking knocks him right out of the ring pretty great art of flash thompson's like dur face when he gets punched and he's flying away and so meanwhile while they're punching each other fighting in the boxing ring um we have these two dum-dums who are trying to steal steal this robot they're like pushing it around and then of course you know professor nerdo comes in and is like hey where are you going with my brain so then the one guy just punches him in the face and then uh they bump into the the living brain robots control panel and it starts rolling around and it's got its arms are like all on balls. You know, the joints are all spheres. So it just starts swinging its arms full speed with these heavy balls on the end. So basically it's got these like, uh, do you ever have a fox tail when you were a kid? That thing that has a ball and you swing it and you try and catch it on different parts of the tail. And there was, like, a soft one, and then there was a hard one. It's kind of like that, except a steel ball, right? Now, why a living brain would need arms that seem to only be good for swinging and bludgeoning someone, I don't know. This is a constant issue when it comes to robot design in, like, film and whatever. It always goes like this. They're like, we need a robot to... um, let's say harvest corn and they're like okay well it should probably have the strength of about 50 men um it should be impenetrable to impenetrable to bullets um emp should have no effect on it you know all these things and then you're like whoa whoa, whoa, whoa whoa maybe we should just make them about as strong as like a person or half as strong and make twice as many or something i don't know maybe we should build in something that like makes them stop working Hey, let's build Terminator robots. What should those look like? Oh, they should look like a a human skeleton but scary as fuck and with piercing red horror eyes. Anyway, we cut back to the boys. They're fist fighting. And then, uh, you know, someone's like, Oh, my God, the brain's out of control. And Flash turns to look at whoever's yelling right when Peter Parker throws a punch. So basically, he just knocks him flat when he's looking the other way. So that's, everyone's like, boo, you cheated, you knocked him out, or whatever. So then Peter Parker's carrying a passed out Flash Thompson to the locker room. And Flash Thompson's got this, like, smile on his face, you know, that sometimes they had. Like, for some reason, when you got knocked out in old cartoons and stuff, they would just have this goofy grin. Um, But he looks fucking dead. It kind of reminded me of um, his death here. His look of death reminds me, you know, of like uh, if you ever played any of the Batman games, Arkham Asylum or Arkham City, and you'll just you'll jump off of a, you know, 12 story building and plant both feet right on a guy's neck and uh, (laughs) just kick him full force. And, you know, it's got this little thing that's like checking his pulse and it's like he's passed out and it's like, okay, that's yeah, that seems likely Um, you punched this guy. He fell off of a balcony four stories onto a metal, metal ground. And, uh, it's like, he's fine. He's probably fine. And you're like, yeah, I don't see why he wouldn't be. That's, that's cool. So anyway, now it's time to fight the human brain and they're at the school. Uh, Spider-Man swings into action. There was one part I noticed he was on the ceiling, you know, and I was just thinking like, oh, he must've gone to a lot nicer schools than I did. Cause I don't think I ever went to a school that didn't have a drop ceiling. It's like Spider Man must fucking hate the drop ceiling. He must be like, goddamn drop ceilings. It's just these shitty panels. They just break in half, and then you just fall down. Um. So anyway, he's running around. He tries and makes a door. All this kind of stuff. Um. All the teens. It's very noticeable, like Spider Man. Like maybe that's why this issue is the tribute to teens. I don't know. We're gonna have to find out a little bit. But all the teens are like, "Yeah, get him, Spidey!" You know what I mean? So anyway, um, he's running around trying to stop this fucking robot. There's a classic where he's Spidey's standing in front of a door, and the robot comes through the door, and the door collapses on top of Spider-Man, and then the robot rolls over the door. You know, so he's like stepping on it. It's like some Scooby-Doo kind of thing, you know, where there's like a quote-unquote ghost. And then they bust down the door and run over the door with the ghost underneath it, you know, and it's like someone runs over and the ghost then starts to get up, and then someone else comes over and it just keeps happening, and their damn dog too or whatever. Classic classic comedy because the robot goes over, and then those two dum dums who activated the robot come running over right after, right when Spidey's starting to get up. It's perfect. Perfect comedic timing. Um So anyway. Spidey's trying to figure out how to stop it. He webs it. He webs it this way and that way. It's also kind of like... I didn't even think about this, but I think Arkham Asylum, you fight uh, Mr. Freeze. And you have to use different moves to hit him every time because then once you use a move one time, he's like, I've learned your moves, Batman. And then you have to do something else. Um, And the robot's like that. He can only try something once and then the robot learns what he did and he can't stop the robot that way. But... Any of you sci-fi fans, we all know the real way to stop any robot, and that is fucking stairs. You take them over the stairs, you swing them out a window or some shit, and then, uh, I don't know, swing them back in the window and turn them off. It's weird. So they just kind of swing out the window, come back in, then Spider-Man deactivates the robot somehow. And then the two dum-dums are running away. Flash Thompson wakes up in the locker room and they basically trip over his prostrate form. And uh, everyone's like, hey, Flash, you saved the day. And then they start saying, you know, you're the only one we didn't see when Spider-Man was around. Maybe you are Spider-Man. To which I was thinking, wait a minute, am I the only one who remembers the earlier issue where we played this game where Flash Thompson dressed as Spider-Man <laughs> and then Doctor Doom kidnapped him and how that worked out? That didn't seem to go too well, did it? Because even Peter Parker gets in on it. He's like, I just realized, Flash, you're the only one who wasn't there while Spider-Man was fighting the living brain. And you tried to get the brain's answer to Spider-Man's identity away from me. It all ties in, doesn't it? And you're like, don't you remember when you had to save this dum dumb last time? Anyway, that's the end of that story. The the living brain. Crazy robot. Then we also have a story called Spider-Man Tackles the Human Torch, um, which I would kind of call like Spider-Man being kind of a jealous dick. Uh, Human Torch is riding around in a penis mobile, and everyone's like, ooh, look at his cool car. And he goes to a party, and he's showing off with his flame powers, and girls are like, yay, make me flames or something. And so Spider-Man's like, you know what? Fuck this asshole. He makes a giant bat out of webs, throws it in the house, and then laughs at the Human Torch's attempts to, you know, hit it with a pillow or something. And everyone else is like, hey, he's crashing a private party. And someone's like, can't you get rid of him, Human Torch? And it's like, yeah, I mean, he was just like watching outside the window while the Human Torch is having a fun party he was invited to. And Spider-Man's like, I'll ruin his fun. real asshole move if you ask me so anyway then they start fighting and uh okay here's human torch okay big mouth you had your chance if you won't leave peacefully i'm gonna toss you out on your pointy ear flame on and then spidey says who writes your dialogue squirt frank meriwell bum 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 we have a spider-man old-timey reference so let's see what frank meriwell is Frank Meriwell is a fictional character appearing in a series of novels and short stories by Gilbert Patton, who wrote under the pseudonym Bert L. Standish. The character appeared in over 200 dime novels between 1896 and 1930. Some between 1927 and 1930 were written by other authors with the same pen name. Numerous radio dramas, blah, blah, blah. The model for all later American juvenile sports fiction, Meriwell excelled at football, baseball, basketball, crew, and track at Yale while solving mysteries and righting wrongs. He played with great strength and received traumatic blows without injury. (laughs) All right. A biographical entry on Patton noted dryly that Frank Marowell had little in common with his creator or his readers. Patton offered some background on his character. The name was symbolic of the chief characteristics I desired my hero to have. Frank, for frankness. Mary, for a happy disposition. Well, for health and abounding vitality. <laughs> okay, so he's like kind of a jock asshole who solved mysteries, I guess. Uh, Mary Wells classmates observed he never drinks. That's how he keeps himself in such fine condition all the time. He will not smoke either, and he takes his exercise regularly. He is really a remarkable freshie. <laughs> Awesome. Um, so there you go. That's what Frank Marowell is. There are at least three generations of Marowells: Frank, his half-brother, perfect, Dick, and Frank's son, Frank Jr. There's a marked difference between Frank and Dick. Frank usually handled challenges on his own. Dick has mysterious friends and skills that help him, especially an old Indian friend without whom the stories would not have been quite as interesting. <laughs> Someone maybe it might be nice if someone worked on the, uh, the, uh, Wikipedia page for this. Just a thought. Oh, you can listen to on the internet archive, um, Frank Merrill radio show. Do you guys want to hear a little bit of Frank right now? Let's see. This is Frank confesses in the dark. I can only assume this has to do with something sexy. It's trying. It's trying to happen for us, but it's struggling. She's got the little circle going around. Um, one of the titles is Frank Meriwell at Yale. And it shows what I assume is Frank surrounded by guys in kind of red KKK hoods holding a candle in some kind of weird manifesto or something. Um looks pretty pretty questionable boy this just doesn't want to do it for us huh hmm Frank can. Conf- oh sounds perfect
1: the adventures of Frank Meriwell tonight's episode Frank confesses in the dark
0: <laughs> Frank confesses in the dark
1: Three o'clock in the morning. That must be the time when Frank makes his confession. We don't have to wait that long to hear about it, however, because it's in tonight's episode. These exciting adventures of Frank Marrowell are brought to you three times a week by the makers of Dr. West's Double Quick Toothpaste. <laughs> the toothpaste that cleans your teeth sparkling and white in just about half the brushing time and never scratches the enamel. And I suppose uh. you've heard what the makers of this fine toothpaste want to send you as a gift. You haven't heard? No one has told you? Well, then I'll tell you. It's a little pet, a live pet, mind you, that scoots around so fast they call him a racer. It's a racing turtle. That's what it is, about as big as a minute.
0: So, I'm selling toothpaste, and in order to get you to buy my toothpaste, I'm going to send you a a turtle. A racing turtle. Whatever the fuck. I wonder when people read these old-time radio, like if these... Offers seemed as ridiculous then as they do now. Like the guy reading it was like, "What the fuck does a turtle have to do with anything?" And then they're just like, "Just do it."
1: Inch and a half long. That's why you can have so much fun with him and why he's so easy to take care of. Now, I know that you certainly will want one of these little racing turtles, and I'm going to tell you later on just how to get one. Boy, isn't that a dandy gift? Yes, sir. Well, let's it go back to the It is pretty dandy. Sirwell, I'll give you that. In a bad spot, I'm afraid. You see, Frank has always been a model student at Dale Academy, mm-hmm. but the last we heard of him, he was playing poker with a bunch of cadets who call themselves the Black Sheep. Now, playing poker isn't a very healthy pastime for young military students, is it? But this no. is the way it happened, how no, Frank very well happened to get in with this crowd. Frank caught his roommate, Bart Hodge, sneaking out of their room sometime after taps, after they were supposed to be in does bed. Does
0: this ever, like, go into, you know...
1: Frank.
0: am try and skip ahead. I want to know, does this, like, ever uh, go I I not at
1: the panhandle when my next allowance comes. Boy, wasn't that from so sort athletic, of and he had a reason. And maybe. It was you who broke his streak of luck, though. Luck? Yeah, sure. He's been lucky bum, before this. Always won. You call it luck. Oh, I told you he was lucky.
0: Lucky? <laughs> okay, well, there you go. Uh, some of the other Frank Merrill adventures on the Internet Archive include The Riddle of the Wrong Answers, uh, The Big Top Adventure, which I insu- assume includes Pee Wee, mystery of the iron door the missing mascot the unreasonable aunt a-u-n-t the unreasonable aunt i mean that sounds like probably half of people's life story right would you say your aunt is unreasonable yeah kind of sometimes the ransomed football (laughs) the live ghost yes there's a ghost he's alive uh great this'll be great kind of one of the kind of one of the hallmarks of ghosts is that they're not alive if i'm not mistaken but what are you gonna do okay so back to spidey spidey and the torch have a fight basically this is just one of those cool displays of like oh look at all their different powers like a little showcase you know uh human torch makes buzz saws out of flames which looks very cool and is totally pointless right because why why would you need to make a buzz saw out of flame but that's fine You know, Spidey fights Mr. Fantastic and the Thing a little bit. He makes some, like, bat wings to try and fly away. And then Sue Storm ultimately ends the entire fight, which seems to be something that began early in the Fantastic Four, was they were all like, okay, Sue Storm will let you guys play around with your dumb powers, and then when you're done fucking around, she'll save the day. And then, uh, you know, Spidey is like, makes her a little uh, heart out of web, and then runs away. And that's pretty much the end. So Spidey was just being kind of a dick. Um, And that's why, that's our tribute to teenagers. I think the lesson here, teenagers are dicks. Um, It's a lesson well taken, is it not? I mean, it's a lesson that those of us who know teenagers well did not need. A lesson that you and I all knew. Well, I think we're there. I think we did it. I think that uh, covers issue number eight. Stay tuned for issue number nine. It won't be quite so long this time, I promise you. And uh, we'll see you next time.
1: I've got to stop, take a look at myself. I've got to put the past behind me and bury my sorrows. I've got to stop Take a hold of my life There's no more room For second guessing I must think